I'm going to speak about the book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel. But first, I just want to give you a, a list of um, descriptors. And you can just tell me, you don't have to tell me, but I'll, I'll ask you, who comes to mind? Someone that is called the Son of Man. Someone who began his ministry at the age of 30. Someone who spoke parables. And someone who did signs. Someone who said, he that has an ear, let him hear. And someone that said, this people honor me with their lips. Who comes to mind? The Lord Jesus. But you know that's all about Ezekiel. He's called the Son of Man uh, 94 times. I think Daniel's the only other person that's called Son of Man other than the Lord Jesus. And I think Daniel might be called Son of Man once. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, he spoke nine or ten parables. He did eight signs. Um, he was somebody... Um, it's, it's pretty extraordinary that um, the links that you get between him and what he saw and the Lord Jesus. For example, he sees this vision in chapter 1. It's the glory of the Lord and it's at the temple in Jerusalem. Slowly throughout the book, the glory of the Lord shifts away from the temple until it goes to the Mount of Olives and then ascends from the Mount of Olives. I mean, if you think of, of one who began his, his life at the temple and then went to the Mount of Olives and ascended from the Mount of Olives. Um, there's so many uh, parallels that you can draw from the prophet Ezekiel to the Lord Jesus. Ezekiel is one of those really neglected books. At least it was in my life for so long. I remember trying to read through it and having no clue what was going on. And that's because I didn't really know when Ezekiel lived, uh, where he lived. I didn't know really what he was talking about, the, the context of the book. And the context of the book is extremely important. So I drew this up last week for Jeremiah. And I want to tell you that, I mean, if you read through Jeremiah and then you read through Ezekiel, um, you're going you're gonna to have these uh, moments where you think, oh, is that bit from Jeremiah or is that bit from Ezekiel? Because they're so similar. Their language is so similar. Their message is so similar. They lived around the same time. But Jeremiah lived in Jerusalem. Ezekiel, he was taken in the fifth year. And his book starts in the fifth year after his captivity. So he's taken with um, Jehoiachin. Um, he's also called Jeconiah or Coniah. And his book starts in the fifth year of the captivity. You read that in chapter 1, uh, verse 1 and 2. He prophesies. His book's really um, pretty amazing. Different to Jeremiah in that his, his is like a diary. Ezekiel goes around and puts dates down. He's got 13 diary entries where he records not only the year, he records the day, 
the month and the year. And it's all referenced back to this fifth year. So he says in chapter 1, he says, in the fifth year. You go to some, somewhere like chapter 8, uh, I think it's chapter 8, verse 1. He says, in the sixth year and on the tenth day, um, in the third month, the word of the Lord came to me. The last diary entry is the 27th year. So he had a ministry for 22 years, that is. He was prophesying for 22 years. Now, people don't know very much about Ezekiel. I, I think I, I didn't know very much about it before I really studied it. I probably knew chapter 1. There was this vision that I want to talk about, actually. Um, and I knew chapter 37. There were those bones rattling and coming together and then spirit coming into them and them living. Um, and then I knew that there was chapter 47, which is um, this guy takes Ezekiel and there's a river there and he goes to water to his ankles and then it's water to his knees and then it's water to his waist and it's a river that he can't cross. Um, I think that's, that's what I knew and that's... They're the, I think they're the famous parts of Ezekiel. I don't know if anybody else thinks something else really stands out. But those things, um, they make up such a tiny part of Ezekiel and his prophecy. Um, okay. When he was taken captive, he was 25 years old, and he began his ministry at 30. Now, he was a priest, and in, um, in Numbers chapter 4... It doesn't speak specifically about priests, but it speaks about the Levites. Um, the Levites would start their ministry at 30 years of age. So he never got to serve in Jerusalem because he was 25. And when he was 30, this vision appears to him. So just before I get into this vision, at, when he sees it at the age of 30... Um, I want to just split up the book. I want to give you an outline of the book. So chapters 1 to 3, chapter 1 is this vision, and then chapters 2 and 3 are his calling as a watchman. So God calls him as a watchman for Israel. So that's chapters 1 to 3, the vision and his call as a watchman. Chapters 4 to 24 are prophecies against Jerusalem. Very similar to a big section in Jeremiah. Chapters 25 to 32 are prophecies against the surrounding nations. Again, very similar to some of the other prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah. Who is it? I think Amos speaks about a whole bunch of nations before he speaks to Israel. Um, 33 to 39, they focus on restoration after the fall. And then chapters 40 to 48 speak about the millennial temple. He gets this amazing vision of the temple. He has, sees this guy who's got a measuring stick and he goes out and he takes detailed measurements of the, the temple. Not Herod's temple. This is a temple that hasn't been built yet. Um, and for eight chapters, or nine chapters, 
he details these measurements of the temple and what's going to be there and um, all the rooms and the, the walls and everything's measured out and planned. Um, it's an incredible description of, of the temple. Okay. The other way to split the book is just very simply um, in half. Chapters 1 to 32, I would label them probably doom. Doom. If you read chapter 7, I mean, the start of chapter 7, it says this. It says, um, the day has come. The end has come. Um, your doom has come. It's words from the Lord towards uh, Jerusalem just saying um, this destruction is coming upon you. So from chapters, if you want to just divide it very simply in half, and these are the, the, um, the themes that are spoken about. The first half up to chapter 32 is doom. And in, in chapter 33, um, Jerusalem falls. There's a, a guy um, who runs out, he leaves Jerusalem, and Ezekiel's not living in Jerusalem. Remember, Ezekiel is living in Babylon. He walks or runs to Babylon and then tells Ezekiel, um, Jerusalem has fallen. And from then on, it's hope. So up until the fall of Jerusalem, the message is doom. After the fall of Jerusalem, the message is hope. Okay. Just an interesting thing about where Ezekiel was living. He was amongst the captives, and there was obviously some settlement there by the river Kibar, it's called, um, in Babylon, but in a place called Tel Aviv. So he was in a place called Tel Aviv. And it, it seems to me that the Jews who returned after the 70-year captivity, there, was, there must have been a big portion of them that lived in Tel Aviv because there's a big city that was the capital city of, Jeru of Israel that is called Tel Aviv. Um, I just thought that's a really interesting link, the fact that he was in Tel Aviv and there's a city now in Israel called Tel Aviv. So he was by, by a river in Babylon. And it just made me think of Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. That's Psalm 137. He was one of those people. Okay. In chapter 1, he sees this vision. And this is like, um, this vision, it stumps people at the start of the book. It stumped me at the start of the book. And you start reading and you go, what is this on about? Um, and then you struggle to keep reading further. Um, but I just want to give a, just a simple explanation of what he saw. He saw four cherubim. He describes them as living creatures, four living creatures. Um, these four living creatures each had four different faces. One was a man's face, one was a lion's face, one was an eagle's face, and one was a cherub's face or a bullock's face now they're interchanged because he sees this twice once in chapter 1 and then once in chapter 10 they've got four wings and underneath their wings they've got human arms above them is a crystal platform 
and above that is a throne, and it's the throne of God. And this is God moving um, by these living creatures moving around. In the midst of them, there's burning fire and coals. Um, Remember in Isaiah's vision, when he saw the glory of God, there was also burning coals. At the feet of each, or by the side of each living creature, there are these wheels. And he describes them as wheels within wheels. Um, So I've tried to draw what I think it could be. Um, A wheel that turns in one direction, and then another wheel that can turn in another direction. The rims of the wheels are covered in eyes. And by now you think, what? I mean, this is just a crazy vision. Like, what does he see? You know, I just thinking about it simply, there's God sitting on his throne. Above these four living creatures. Now, the four living creatures are mentioned in uh, Revelation, again. Um, and they speak of the government of God over this world. There's four corners of the earth. Four is the number that speaks of the earth. These are the four living creatures that are God's governance over this whole world. And he's above these, these creatures that, are gov- that he uses as governance over the whole world. These creatures comprise of um, animals, beasts. So you've got um, beasts, fowl, the eagles. And then you've got uh, their part man as well. And then you've got cherub or angel. And it sort of seems like a tiered, you know, man in Psalm 8, man is made a little lower than the angels. And, but man is given authority over the beasts. But over all of those is God. God is over all of his creation. And there are wheels beside each of these living creatures. And when he sees them, they move like lightning. They don't turn their faces when they move. They can just go from one spot to another spot like lightning. They can move in any direction. And that's the idea of wheels within a wheel. A wheel within a wheel. It can move in any direction. God can see, because these wheels are covered in eyes. Think about this whole idea of his governance over the world. He can move anywhere and see anything at any time. And I know that's a very simplistic uh, explanation of the vision, but it's just something to help us not get too stumped by what is being spoken of. So God's governance over the world, he can see everything and he can go anywhere and be anywhere at any time. Now, why I think that's important is because God sees what's happening in Jerusalem. And God allows Ezekiel to see what's happening in Jerusalem. Ezekiel is not in Jerusalem. So here's a prophet who not only sees the future, you know, we talked about he sees this millennial temple, but he sees what's going on in Jerusalem at that time. Um, So let's have a look at um, chapter 8. Ezekiel chapter 8. I'll just read a part of verse 3 and then I'll go down. This is 
the Lord takes him. So in verse 3, he stretched forth the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my head. And the spirit lifted me up between the earth and heavens and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entry of the inner gate. Now, what was happening in Jerusalem? He says, verse 7, He brought me to the entry of the court, and I looked, and behold, there was a hole in the wall. And he said to me, Son of man, dig now through the wall. And I dig through the wall, and behold, a door. And he said to me, Go in, and behold, the wicked abominations that they do there. And I went in, and I looked, and behold, every form of creeping thing and abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall around about. And there were before them 70 men, the elders of Israel. And these guys were worshipping all kinds of idols, all kinds of creeping things. and They'd drawn them onto the temple walls. Um, not only that, go down to verse 14. He brought me to the entry of the gate, Jehovah's house, towards the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Now, that's another goddess. Um, and then, verse 16, he brought me into the inner court of Jehovah's house. And behold, the entry of the temple between the porch and the altar were about 25 men with their backs towards the temple and their faces towards the east. And they worshipped the sun. Towards the east. Now God saw. God can see what's happening. Everywhere. Inside the temple. God's governance over everything. He sees what's happening in the darkness. Inside the temple. What they're worshipping. What they've drawn on the walls. He sees what's going on in Jerusalem. Them abandoning God. Rejecting um, him. And worshipping idols. Men with their backs towards God. And worshipping the sun. I mean, these are, these are things that Ezekiel got to see while he was still in Babylon. He saw these visions of what was going on in Jerusalem. Um, he saw something else really interesting. Um, it's in chapter 12. And I'm, we don't have to read it, but I'll let you read it in your own time because I don't want to take up too much time. He says, God tells him, Ezekiel so Ezekiel's an acting prophet. Not that he's in the place of somebody. He's a role-playing prophet. He does all of these different um, actions. or um, He does these different things that God tells him to do as signs to the people that are there in Tel Aviv in Iraq. Um, or in Babylon. For example, God tells him, um, Ezekiel, get a brick and um, build it up on a mound and then come against it and besiege it. Go, or, um, build up um, ramps against it and besiege it. So he's there mock playing this siege of Jerusalem. And the people around are just looking and going, what, what's, he, what's he doing? Um, and then God tells him, okay, Ezekiel, I want you to lie on your left side for 390 days. And to help you lie on your left side, I'm going to tie you with ropes. So the people actually tied him with ropes. He lay on his left side for 390 days. And he said, God said to him, that's one day for every year of the sin of 
the house of Israel. And then he said, I want you to lie on your right side for 40 days. And that was one day for a year of the sins of Judah. And then he told him, I want you to make bread each of those days. So I think he must have, he must have, had, it must have been like an eight to five kind of thing where he lay on his left side. Um, maybe just before he did that in the morning, he'd have to make this bread. And God said, you're going to take your flour by measure and you're going to have your water by measure. And that was a sign that the people in the siege in Jerusalem were going to be eating their bread by measure and having their water by measure because of um, the, the famine that would be going on. And he said, I want you to bake it using human dung. And Ezekiel was like, Lord, I've never defiled myself. I can't do that. And God said, okay, you can use cow dung instead. So he baked his bread using cow dung. Um, and, he, and God said, because the people will be doing this in Jerusalem in those days. So he was assigned to the people. God told him, take a sharp sword and shave your beard and shave your head. And then divide it into three piles. One pile, I want you to scatter to the wind. One pile, I want you to chop up with a sword. Um, and the other pile, I want you to burn in the fire. And of of that pile, I want you to take a little bit of it and I want you to bind it on, into your coat. Um, and then off that, take a little bit more and then scatter that to the wind. Um, and he was telling him that the people in Jerusalem, a third of them are going to go um, be dispersed amongst the nations, thrown to the wind. A third of them are going to die by the sword. A third of them are going to be burnt in the fire. And there are going to be a few, a few that might remain. So Ezekiel was, everything he did in action was speaking about something going on in Jerusalem or that would go on in Jerusalem. So in chapter 12, he's told Ezekiel, I want you to pack a, a captive's baggage. He would have known this because he was a captive already. Pack your bags, Ezekiel, and I want you to go out in front of all the people uh, with your bags packed. And then I want you to sneak out. I want you to ha cover your face. And I want you to go out like a captive with your baggage. And I want you to dig through the wall. And I want you to put your baggage through the wall. And then I want you to climb through the wall. Um, he did that. And then God tells him, this prophecy concerns the prince of the house of Judah. And he sa it says that, He's going to escape, but he's going to be brought to Babylon, but he won't see it. And what he's speaking about is this guy. Zedekiah was the prince of Judah at that time. And if you know what happened with Zedekiah, um, it's incredible the prophecy that uh, Ezekiel gives. Zedekiah packed his bags and snuck out while Nebuchadnezzar was surrounding the city, him and his men. They snuck out and they tried to escape the city. Nebuchadnezzar's men caught him and his sons and his family. They brought him to Riblah. And Nebuchadnezzar killed his sons in front of his eyes. And then Nebuchadnezzar put his eyes out. So the last thing he saw was his sons dying. And then he was taken to Babylon and he died there. And in Ezekiel's prophecy, it says he shall be brought to Babylon, but he shall not see it. 
And you first read that and you go, what does that mean? Brought to Babylon, shall not see it. But he was blind when he was brought to Babylon. Another sign that happened with Ezekiel. It's in chapter 24. It's, um, yeah, I might read a little bit of this just very quickly. Verse 15. The word of Jehovah came to me saying, Son of man, behold, I take away from thee the desire of thy eyes with a stroke. Yet thou shalt not mourn nor weep, neither shall tears thy tears run down. Sigh in silence. Make no mourning for the dead. Bind thy turban upon thee and put thy sandals on thy feet. Cover not thy beard. Eat not the bread of men. And then it says, And I spoke to the people in the morning. And at evening, my wife died. Ezekiel had to lose his wife and not mourn, not weep. And God said that um, this was going to be the state of the people when Jerusalem is destroyed. He said... uh, Behold, I will profane my sanctuary in the pride of your strength, the desire of your eyes and your soul's longing. Your sons and your daughters whom you've left behind shall fall by the sword, and ye shall do as I have done. You'll be in silence. You'll be so dumbfounded you won't be able to mourn. You won't be able to weep. Now God tells him at the start of that chapter... Ezekiel record this day. Now that day was the day that Nebuchadnezzar came to besiege Jerusalem. It was the 10th day of the 10th month in the 9th year of their captivity. Now if you look at that date in 2 Kings 25, that's the date that Nebuchadnezzar comes up to besiege the city. That's the 9th year. He says, record that date in your diary, Ezekiel. He does that, and that's the, that's the date that his wife dies. It's the same chapter. Another sign. Ezekiel is mute from that point. He can't speak. Actually, this happened to him a number of times, where God said, I will make your tongue cleave to the roof of your mouth. You shall not be able to speak. He didn't speak from the time of the siege right up until chapter 33. Um, It's not exactly chronological. But in chapter 33, it's the 11th year. So for over two years, his mouth was shut. And he did not speak a word until a man from Jerusalem came to him and told him that Babylon has fallen. And then God opened his mouth and he was able to speak again. Just amazing things that these prophets went through in their times. Now the city was so bad, Ezekiel wrote something. Jerusalem, what was going on in Jerusalem was so bad. He wrote something about um, the three men that he thought were the greatest men, um, in his opinion, or in all of Israel. Um, He spoke about Noah, he spoke about Job, and he spoke about Daniel. And he said, if these three men were in the city, they would only 
be able to save themselves. If they were interceding for the city, God says, I wouldn't spare it. They would only be able to save themselves because of their righteousness. Just one thing about the Lord Jesus. Chapter 34. Chapter 34 is a beautiful chapter. You know, the people in Jerusalem had gone astray because of bad leaders. Remember we talked about those 70-something men in the temple? They were the elders of Israel. And they were worshipping these idols. And the other 25 outside, worshipping the sun. Israel had bad shepherds. And God rebuked the bad shepherds in chapter 33. Then, I want to just read from verse 11, just very quickly. This is chapter 34, verse 11. For thus says the Lord Jehovah, Behold, I, even I, will both search for my sheep and tend them, as a shepherd tends his flock in the day that he is among the scattered sheep. Um, verse 13, in the middle, I will feed them. Verse 14, I will feed them in a good pasture. Uh, verse 15, I myself will feed my flock. I will cause them to lie down. Verse 16, I will seek the lost. Doesn't that remind you of the Lord Jesus? Isn't that the ministry of the Lord Jesus when he was here? I know that this has a fulfillment in the future because he speaks in verse 23. He says, I will set up one shepherd over them and he shall feed them, even my servant David. Anyway, he speaks a little bit about the millennial glory of what's going to happen in the millennium and how he's going to restore the people and look after them. But this middle bit, or the earlier bit, it really speaks of the Lord's ministry when he was here. When he came, he said, I am the good shepherd. Now, everyone that was before him was a bad shepherd. They led Israel astray, but he said, I am the good shepherd. And he was the one that led his sheep to good pasture and he literally fed them he said to them sit down and the place where they were was lots of grass lush grass he told them to sit down on the grass and he fed them he fed them on the mountains of Israel he literally did this my time's up there's a lot in the book and I encourage you to read it Um, go through it and see what Ezekiel sees see um, links that you can make with um, the Lord Jesus and see the glories that are coming in that second part of the book, the part that speaks about hope. So I hope that each one just takes out some time to read the 48 chapters of Ezekiel.